The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, come with me. What's good, everybody? Welcome to The Look Ahead and part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys is with me and from DK Nation once again. Third week in a row. Kate Maju. Kate, thank you very much for putting up with us yet again. This has been the highlight of my Fridays for the last three weeks. So thank you guys for having me on once again and tolerating all of my shenanigans. I think we, it, together we've got a, a nice brew of shenanigans. We remind you, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. It takes two seconds for you. It makes a very big difference for us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, RJ, you have seen some of the reviews coming in, and there was one that you particularly liked. Yeah, there is. Uh, shout out to Mario Cap, very loyal listener, always reviewing, always rating, always following and subscribing. Um, always, I think, just shouting the good name of the SB Nation NFL show. The latest review, a five-star review, says, Stats, RJ, and Kate. So it is addressed specifically to the three of us. Um, Kate, no big deal. Your name was last. Just, you know, I, don't, I don't know what happened here. Yeah. Uh, it is reverse alphabetical order. So, yeah. That is worth mentioning. Uh, it says, remember that you have fans like me in their latter 60s who did not grow up with Madden and could not care less about it. Always enjoy your podcast. So um, not everybody is as pissed off about Madden as I am. But uh, I maintain <laughs> that EA is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to talk to somebody from EA, which we're still working on stats. I know um, I wanted to tell you both that this weekend I'm going to do something I never have before. And I think it's going to shock each of you. Read a knowledgeable book about football. Um, watch you know, Sesame Street contrary to popular belief I've read many a uh, piece of literature about the great game of American football um, but uh, it is watching something Kate for the first time ever in my life this weekend I'm going to watch the Karate Kid I've never seen it before I've never seen it either what don't waste your this time is being... no okay wow it's, it's not okay. good it, they were never good it just that movies were so bad back in the day that when this came out, it was like, you know, okay, this is, I guess, good compared to what we have. It's it stinks. Don't watch. There are so many other better movies you could watch than Karate Kid. I want to watch Cobra Kai. It's kind of like back in the day when uh, you had like this black and white TV where you could, there was literally no quality, no visual quality to the television whatsoever, but you had a magic box in your living room that... Uh, showed you pictures so that was like pretty pretty cool stuff that's 
Uh, but I mean, you got to roll with the best you have. So maybe Karate Kid was the best that somebody out there had. Uh, and you know what? Maybe old school Madden was the best that mm. that somebody else, uh, one of our other listeners had. That we need to stop being so hypercritical, guys. We need to roll <laughs> with the punches. Spread the love. Okay. Spread the love. Being less critical is not really my thing. I've kind of worked out a little <laughs> niche here, and it's it's not being less critical. Um, and I think we're going to be critical coming up because one of the topics we're going to get to today is something that came down yesterday, Thursday, with the Washington football team. The investigation into the culture there, the workplace culture, is through. The penalties have come down, and the NFL has decided to fine the Washington football team $10 million for basically two decades of a pretty hostile, toxic work environment. Um, there were no draft picks taken away. There was no penalty to the football side, really, at all. Uh, Kate, I'll start with you. What was your first reaction when you heard the news? The only thing that I think is a, a plus coming out of this is the fact that they're using this $10 million fine charitably. Outside of that, very surprised that there isn't more actual, there's no football repercussions. You're uh, fining Dan Snyder, who's already worth $2.6 billion, $10 million. Okay. Like what of it? I, it, I think it's a little, uh, it, it's a little squeamish. Uh, it's, it's a nice way to uh, look good on paper without actually punishing this uh, an organization for this behavior that's been perpetuated for a very long time. It's, it's terrible. Like that's, I think the grand takeaway here, this is terrible. It's been terrible. It's awful. Um, and I don't, I don't really like to point fingers at anybody's morality um, and, you know, condemn people in certain ways, but there was one, one part of the statement that uh, Dan Snyder released on Thursday that really did bother me. I read this on the daily when uh, we got to this part of the news. Uh, it says it's, it's the second to last paragraph. The penultimate one says, I agree with the commissioner's decisions in this matter. I'm committed to implementing his investigations, important recommendations. Uh, he obviously mentioned uh, his wife says, Tanya will assume the responsibilities of CEO and will oversee all the day-to-day -day team operations and represent the club on all league activities. But this is the sentence. I will concentrate my time during the next several months on developing a new stadium plan and other matters. And that just, I mean, Kate, you mentioned squeamish, like that feels super icky to me. Um, you know, like, Hey, I'm just going to go focus on how to make more money. Like, you know, my, my punishment here, so to speak from this incredibly toxic culture that I oversaw that I'm taking the blame for. Uh, yeah. In, instead of, you know, focusing on bettering that I'm just going to go make myself more money. That, that read really, really, really badly to me. He has to make his $10 million back, essentially, is what he's saying. Well, I mean, and to just give you an example of how small the $10 million fine is, the NFL just sold Thursday Night Football for $10 billion over the next 10 years. So, you know, Daniel Snyder is not going to have any trouble paying this fine. Uh, I will say that all senior executives, including the Snyders, do have to take part in uh, training and workplace conduct for what that's worth. But here's the thing, and I, I read this on Pro Football Talk, and I didn't catch it, and I give credit to Mike Florio. They're not calling it this, but I think this is essentially a suspension for Daniel Snyder because nothing happens in a vacuum, right? Look at what happened this week. Out of the blue, 
all of a sudden, Daniel Snyder is essentially ceding power to his wife, Tanya, who's co-CEO and co-owner. After Daniel Snyder paid all this money to buy out the other owners of the team. So that doesn't really make sense, right? Daniel Snyder pays all this money to consolidate power. And then all of a sudden, he's just splitting it with his spouse. And then come to find out, well, turns out he's quote unquote stepping away or whatever they want to call it. And look at look at the writing in this statement for at least the next several months. Could you create a more vague period of time than for at least the next several months? Like when you go on vacation, vacations have set lengths of time, right? You go to Disney World for a week, two weeks. If you take a sabbatical for two weeks, goodness, that's a long time at Disney World. (laughs) Some people that got money. But like if you take a sabbatical, (laughs) Dan Snyder, you, you take a year away, like it's always a definite period of time. But for at least the next several months implies he doesn't know when he's going to be back. And again, I'm getting this from Pro Football Talk. There is a report that Daniel Snyder cannot resume control of the Washington football team without the approval of Commissioner Roger Goodell. And that seems to me to fit more with the way that the NFL does things, right? They're very hesitant to punish owners, especially publicly. And let's be honest, the reason for that is because the owners, uh, because Roger Goodell works for the owners. They are his boss. So I think what happened here is they're not calling it a suspension. They're not trying to publicly embarrass Daniel Snyder. But that's essentially what happened here is that It's not a suspension, but it is a suspension, and he's got to go away, and he can't come back until Roger Goodell says it's okay. My question, though, is like, what do you, at what point do you, um, in this situation, if you're not suspending Daniel Snyder for perpetuating this toxic culture, this toxic work environment, uh, and allowing that to pervade literally decades, if you're not suspending an owner for that, what are you ever suspending an owner for? Like, where do you draw the line in terms of of when you formally make those disciplinary moves versus these times where you just sort of uh, skirt around and yes, we we force you to donate ten million dollars, but we vaguely make you go behind this curtain and and focus on you know spending more or making more money. Like, at what point do you actually? What's the threshold there for actual punishment? I think that just tells you there is no. No act that can actually get you punished as an NFL owner, apparently. Yeah, stats. I, I want to be clear, and I, I think Kate agrees. Like, I agree with your read on the situation. So, like, my issue isn't you know with you or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. um, I I just I mean there, I agree that there's a lot of coddling being done and a lot of care being given to Daniel Snyder. The same exact thing that wasn't given to the people who were impacted and who were hurt by the culture that he created, which is really, again, just feels icky, feels gross. Uh, It's kind of it's really actually incredibly difficult to square, um, again, from whether a morality or even just like a common sense standpoint. And so and I agree with you, you know, okay, yeah, he accrued all this power and he's, you know, surrendering it. But is he really surrendering it? Like he's he's giving it to his wife, you know, like, and I, I mean, it's, it's still within, you know, arm's reach, so to speak for him. And so like, I, this, this doesn't feel, you know, like, I, I don't view Daniel Snyder as like, you know, 
pounding his fists on the table that like he's lost control of his football club. I, I mean, I, I feel like he's he's just as involved, you know, just from uh, a different office in a different building or whatever, however, however you want to deem it, however you want to term it. And so that's that's really gross. I mean, it's it's incredibly gross. And I, I think, you know, the NFL, you know, has has a lot of issues and it's really difficult to understand um, how they think that the general public isn't going to have a problem with this. I mean, there were a lot of people who who noted that, you know, the the Deflategate report that Ted Wells did, the, the the report on Ray Rice, I mean, were, you know, upwards and upwards of pages long. And I understand that there's confidentiality involved here and there's, you know, protecting uh, the testimonies given by different people. But this this really just feels like the NFL is openly sweeping it under the rug in front of us. And they have, you know, it honestly feels like they're bragging about it. Like we have the power, we have the stature to just tell you what we want and whatever questions you have, you know, maybe Roger Goodell will be asked about this at the Super Bowl press conference he does, you know, next year, but it will be a matter of, you know, kind of tending to the way they do. It's, it's a really, this is, this has been a really bad week for the NFL. This is my question. And this is like maybe a, 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 like I'm looking at the business side of this, but um, I'm kind of curious. So this is a charitable donation. Uh, they're going to use that $10 million for. I would love to know the tax side of that. Uh, is this, uh, most donations are tax deductible. Is this going to have really any impact whatsoever if it ends up going straight to charity and they can write write it off as such? I, I'm i curious about that part because then uh, if that is the case and they're able to write this off or some of this off as uh, you know, a charitable donation, then it does nothing. That's a completely fair question to bring up. And I yeah, I agree. I'm sure he's probably going to get some sort of write-off about it. Uh, RJ, I want to go back to the point you made about the report. J.P. Finlay of NBC Sports Washington had a great tweet about this. He said, The investigation into deflated footballs by the New England Patriots resulted in a 139-page report. The investigation into two decades of a toxic workplace culture by the Washington football team resulted in an oral report. And I think there's a very good reason for that. Just like there's a very good reason Roger Goodell destroyed the Spygate tapes. They don't want a record of this. They don't want people to be able to dive into this. And I agree. They are affording Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team a degree of protection that was not afforded to all the people that worked for that team over the past two decades that were the victim of this workplace culture. And I think it's totally fair to criticize the NFL, who loves to talk about how inclusive they are and loves to talk about they just put out a video about how football is for everyone, right? LGBTQ people, women, minority, anybody, right? Football is for everybody. It's real easy to do that stuff, to throw out a video, to put a Black Lives Matter poster in every stadium in the league. But when it comes to actually putting your money where your mouth is and actually protecting people and and showing that it's not just a statement, that it's not just you changing the colors on your logo for Pride Month, the NFL falls short again and again and again. And to me, this seems like yet another example of that, of they do the things for show, but they don't actually do anything in reality to make things better for people. Yeah, I mean, I want to be clear that all um, cases, all, you know, allegations are different and, you know, all victims should be treated um, as the top priority, whatever the case may be. Just speaking from the experience of 
covering and following the allegations against Ezekiel Elliott uh, that happened early on in his NFL career. I mean, the NFL probed very deeply into his life and and made all of the very intimate and intricate details of his life and you know the lives of people that he was around and involved with very, very, very public, right? Like that was the thing. I mean, everybody knew and, and now obviously as a result of it knows all of these supremely detailed things about Ezekiel Elliott and, and the manners that he conducted his life and whatever the case may be, because in the NFL's mind, they were pursuing justice. And the NFL obviously has designed their own justice system because they believe theirs to be superior to the actual justice system in our country, uh, which is a whole different discussion. But to that point, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott was put under a microscope in a room full of, you know, bright spotlights and cameras and whatever. And Daniel Snyder, to your point, stats, I mean, it's just, you know, hey, it's it's a matter of we got you. We'll take care of you. You're, you're part of the club. You know, you're one of us. And, you know, uh, uh, Peter King wrote a few weeks ago, I believe right before he went on vacation, about uh, Roger Goodell's tenure as commissioner and how it could be coming to an end potentially. We'll see, you know, how his contract ultimately uh, winds up. And kind of talking about, like, what is his uh, legacy as commissioner of the NFL? And I don't know how a big chunk of his legacy is not that he caped for owners. I mean, that's what he's done over and over and over again. Roger Goodell has filled the pocketbooks of all NFL owners. And for that reason, he has continued to hold his job in great stature and gotten the contracts that he has, but he has done it, you know, while sacrificing a lot of good and moral thoughts and, you know, points of pride just in human civilization. It's, it's been really, it's, it's unfortunate because we all still it's 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 not like Madden, but it's kind of like Madden that people are still going to buy the game, right? Because people love, um, you know, the game, whatever. People are going to watch the NFL because they love the NFL and they're going to put up with all of this crud because at the end of the day, they still love this game, no matter how icky the owners or the commissioner or whoever might be at the top. It's a great comparison. It's true. I'm reading something from Pro Football Talk because uh, when it comes to stuff like this, I really trust Mike, especially having after having worked with him for a while, because I feel like he cuts through a lot of the BS. And one of the things that he points out is by protecting Daniel Snyder, the NFL is really potentially protecting other owners. And I think that is the key thing here is that it's a it's a club. It's a very exclusive club. Like you talked about, RJ, Goodell works for the owners and... They don't care how if this looks bad for the league. The owners don't care about that. They know the money's going to keep rolling in. They want to make sure that their dirty laundry does not get aired. And if something does come out, that the league is going to take care of them. And I think that when something like this happens to one owner, all the other owners kind of lean forward in their chairs a little bit and keep their eye on the situation. Okay, how is Goodell handling it? What is he doing? Because I think in the back of their mind, not saying that that other owners are allowing this sort of toxic workplace culture or anything like that, but I think the other owners know or want to know, if I get into trouble with something, how is the league going to react? I think, you know, different situations, again, every situation is different. Do you look at the allegations that surrounded Robert Kraft, right? You know, a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, what, what did the NFL do to Robert Kraft that they have ever done with one of their players, right? Like if, if, you know, 
again, all situations are different. I want to be very clear about that. But Deshaun Watson is sort of, you know, in the NFL's eyes right now, ostracized. And for very good reason, because the NFL is taking the manners, you know, that he is involved with very seriously. They're conducting their own investigation. And they are, I think we all agree, there is likely going to be, at least it seems, some level of punishment levied against Deshaun Watson, at least some sort of suspension to some degree. I mean, we can name a, a ton of players that have been suspended for different issues, you know, uh, within or connected to the realms of this. I mentioned Ezekiel Elliott, Jameis Winston, Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, on and on and on. We can go forever. Greg Hardy. Um, and, and we'll see what ultimately happens to Deshaun Watson. But I mean, th- this, you know, to your point, Kate, okay, you're, you're fine to tax right off. Um, your, your big time punishment is you get to go focus on a way that's not only going to fill your pocketbooks with more money with a new stadium, but fill our pocketbooks. We're all going to generate money off of this. So just, just devote your time and effort. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to cede control of your team, but just cede control to your wife. And again, these things are, and I don't want to question the legitimacy of Tanya Snyder. I, I'm hopeful that she will lead the Washington football team to a great era uh, within their culture and their environment. I, I hope they never win a game, obviously, for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, but, um, I mean, I, like, how can the NFL expect any of us to look at the events of this week and the dots that are here and not connect them to see, like, it's all a front? Like, there's an incredible... I don't even know if it's a level of arrogance or just a level of hubris to say, like, this is the way it is. Eat it, take it, and shut up. That's the way the league operates more often than not when it comes to controversial subjects, as you alluded to, Stats. If you look at the words in the statement that Roger Goodell put out, I mean, it's ugly. The workplace environment in the Washington football team, both generally and particularly for women, was highly unprofessional. Bullying and intimidation frequently took place, and many described the culture as one of fear. And numerous female employees reported having experienced sexual harassment and a general lack of respect in the workplace. Ownership and senior management paid little or no attention to these issues, and that senior executives engaged in inappropriate conduct themselves, including use of demeaning language and public embarrassment. You said it best, Kate. If you're not going to publicly punish someone and call it a suspension and literally shine a light on these things for this, then you don't do it for anything. You don't do it for anything. And that's really that's an incredible thing if you think about it, because the the standard for players like you pointed out, RJ, they always get called out on the carpet. We're going to know very soon what the punishment is for Deshaun Watson. It's going to be a very public punishment. And yet shouldn't these scrutiny for the owners of the team, the boss of bosses, so to speak, be even higher than it is for the players? So messed up. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't know what the word is. I mean, it's frustrating. It's mortifying. It's disheartening. Yeah, it's it's actually, it, it weakens your, you know, your... I, I think I speak for both of you. We all love what we do, right? Like we have, we say it all the time. We've got some dream jobs here uh, that we get to talk about this game and cover this game and, you know, sit here and, and look at each other. Stats, you're looking marvelous today. Uh, seriously, that haircut, you look great. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's tough to, I was, I, and I'm again, like, I'm, I'm not trying to say that, you know, uh, this is, you know, anything that's like affecting me personally, but th- this is really embarrassing for the NFL. And the the frustrating thing is they don't seem to really care. 
They, they, they seem completely unfazed because they know, like, hey, we'll just deal with the little bit of fallout, right? We'll deal with the look ahead talking about us on July 2nd, and next week, something else will happen. In three weeks, it'll be time for training camp, and everybody will be focused on, is Aaron Rodgers going to be at practice with the Green Bay Packers? Like, things will return to normal. We'll go into our bunkers. We'll all enjoy the 4th of July, and, you know, we'll come out on the other side, and we'll break bread, and we'll toast, and all will be good again. It's stuff like this that... Yeah, sometimes it makes you it makes it harder to be a fan, which stinks because obviously this is what we do for a living. We all love the game, but it's it's disappointing when stuff like this happens and it's treated in this manner. All right. uh, I think we've said all we can say on the Washington football team situation. Let's take a break. And when we come back, there's a team that plays in the division of the Washington football team as we focus on far, far less important things. But there's a team in the NFC East that we could be seeing a lot more of, and that's going to make one of the hosts of this show very, very happy. We'll explain what we mean coming up. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're back here on The Look Ahead, and news broke as we record this that We know who's going to be on Hard Knocks this year, and it is a team that has been on Hard Knocks in the past. It will be their third time on Hard Knocks, actually. The Dallas Cowboys, RJ, are going to be under the microscope on Hard Knocks. How do you feel about this? First time the Dallas Cowboys will ever be under any microscope of any kind, uh, obviously. (laughs) Um, I am, uh, I actually finalized my plans to head to Oxnard on Thursday. So very excited about this. Um, and I mean, I, this is, I don't know. I'm, I'm indifferent, um, as a fan, uh, I'm a little hesitant because this never ends up well. Um, I'm not like worried about like any sort of hard knocks curse, but the attention is generally not a good thing. Uh, Mike McCarthy has, uh, we'll call it struggled a little bit with uh some camera attention in his return to the nfl <laughs> and i actually think he deserves a pass for that in in the sense of the guy was completely away from the game in 2019 and then he returned in 2020 and only did zoom press conferences so like he's still kind of getting reacclimated to doing in-person press conferences i mean like that's you know I, i'm not saying that like that stats make an awful face i'm not saying that that like affords him an extra loss or anything i'm just saying like I understand that getting in, back into public speaking after that long away would be difficult. That's all I'm saying, Stats. Be cool. Um, but, um, you know, it, it does, like, I mean, and to that point, like, I, I guess an example I think about a lot, I don't know if either one of you knew this, 
Uh, but Tyrone Crawford retired this offseason, long-time Cowboys defensive end. And Mike McCarthy accidentally revealed that in a press conference. Um, <laughs> oh, so um, he, he, he like mentioned, he was talking about him. He said, and then he looked over at the PR man and said, oh, are we, are we talking about this? Like, like in the middle of his, of his <laughs> press conference. And he said, yeah, he's going to be retiring. And so that was, that was how we all found out. Um, but so he's Sweet. just a little, he's a little, he's waiting back in. And so I don't know if shining a huge, you know, <laughs> bit of attention on that is wise. Uh, but obviously the Cowboys are a really captivating story with Dak Prescott coming back. A lot of other players coming back. Dak Prescott, uh, really, uh, serving as a, as a great voice. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, where the league is struggling in terms of leadership. I think Dak Prescott's a great point of leadership and a great public figure for it. Uh, he was on, uh, ESPN's up close with Sage Steele this week. We interviewed Sage over at blog of the boys. People can watch that interview on our YouTube channel if they'd like, uh, she talked about filming with him. And so I think seeing Dak, although obviously he won't be on, on hard knocks all too much. This is the Cowboys returning back to Oxnard. They were not there last year. Not every NFL team gets to travel for training camp. Sorry, Kate, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I will say, I know I've rambled on. I'm a little bit sick of like California on hard knocks. We we get it. You know, like we've, we've seen the beach. We've seen, you know, the, the sunshine, like, you know, but whatever. Well, I'm, cu- I'm curious for y'all's thoughts more than anything. I'm actually pretty excited just from like a a fan of football standpoint. And I do wonder, RJ, we can get back to this uh, in a few. I do wonder if there's sort of a difference uh, in your approach and your thoughts about the whole uh, process of their team selection. Because as a fan, I think this is super interesting. I think they have one of the most uh, interesting team dynamics right now. I mean, CeeDee Lamb dominated in his rookie season. You've got so many moving pieces right there. You have Dak Prescott, who uh, not only is he coming back from this uh, catastrophic injury, uh, and he's doing pretty well, but, I mean, he was on pace for uh, what could have been an MVP season, so his comeback story there. But uh, you mentioned where the league struggles. I mean, Dak Prescott, let's give him some credit in the last season uh, since he's had some personal hardships, he's been a fantastic advocate for uh, mental health awareness. And I think that whole dynamic, I think that they're going to be able to um, just bring out a lot of really nice storylines. A lot of, I think there could be a lot of inspiring storylines, um, but I mean, it, it's America's team. So I think that this is going to, to be a very well-watched season. The Dallas Cowboys are not always good. But they are always, almost without exception, interesting. Say what you want about the Cowboys. Jerry knows how to keep his team interesting. And that's what I'm looking for in hard knocks, right? Like, I I don't want to see Tom Brady on hard knocks. I know what Tom Brady is all about. I know what he's going to say. Like, I know that story. Give me something that's interesting. And I know it's the third time for the Cowboys, but obviously the team is all different. You know Jerry's going to find a way to get on hard knocks, like, repeatedly. He's always good for a couple of good quotes. Dak is interesting, like you said, the comeback with him. I'm actually kind of interested, RJ. I want to check out Zeke Elliott because Zeke Elliott disappeared last season. Zeke had only three gains of 20 yards or more. And before you tell me about the injuries to the offensive line, Tony Pollard had five gains of 20 yards or more with 167 fewer touches. So it's not just the injuries around Zeke Elliott. I want to see what he looks like. And my theory, and you tell me if I'm wrong with this, RJ, I think Zeke needs the structure of the NFL offseason. 
any time that that structure is disrupted from whatever it is, COVID, suspension, whatever the case may be, Zeke comes in out of shape. He doesn't look as good. His explosiveness just seems like it's not there. He needs a structure of a normal, regular offseason, and he needs to bounce back in a big way this year. I think that's an interesting point. Stats, obviously, his most successful seasons so far have been in 2016 and 2018. 2016, 2018, we were kind of having that debate uh, in the break. Um, you know, 2016 comes in as a rookie, gets the full sort of complement of the offseason. 2017, there's all the will he be suspended, won't he be suspended, all that drama going on and on. 2018, normal offseason, boom. 2019, contract holdout, you know, misses training camp. Obviously, the results speak for themselves. Last year, COVID, et cetera. So maybe you're... Uh, uh, kind of whispering some reality into people's ears. I did hear, I was going to call it the Ezekiel Elliott slander stats, although I agree with it, um, on the Oddcast, which basically ripped off this week's episode idea from the NFC's mixtape, no big deal, uh, where I had the first Zeke take. Um, I I mean, yeah, Zeke's an interesting story to watch. I mean, you know, there's there's no doubt about it. Tony Pollard's an interesting story to watch. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, you mentioned it, Kate. By the way, Kate wins our MVP today, referring to the Cowboys by their rightful name, America's team. Um, <laughs> th- there are so many players coming back from injury. I agree with you that Jerry's coming back. You actually made me think, I, when I, so the Cowboys released their training camp schedule on Thursday, and I noticed that all of their, normally uh, when they do practice in Oxnard, California, their practices have been in the afternoon. They've been 3.30 Pacific time. But I noticed that this year's were all at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And I was wondering, like, why? Why did they switch? You know, why did they go purely morning practices? And I wonder if that has to do with the production, right? Like, or the mm. the preferred camera lighting or something of hard knocks. I mean, I don't know, like something in that realm. Mm. Uh, be- because we all know, I've talked to uh, several NFL films producers, Shannon Furman, who does such a great job on hard knocks. And she's talked about the challenge of, you know, because hard knocks is difficult because you're shooting things and getting it done and editing it and clipped and everything for a given week based off the material that you just shot and so i maybe those four hours gives them you know what they need to ultimately turn this thing around i would love to go back uh if if we have any sort of uh you know time i would love to go back and look at the the schedules and compare uh for the previous teams on hard knocks and see if there is mm. any previous adjustment to the schedule so maybe we can uh, we can shine some some background on the production. Uh, but you know what I think is a really interesting thing for the Cowboys right now? There are so many questions about the money, uh, the money decisions that the Cowboys have made. Was it the right thing to give Ezekiel Elliott all of this money? No. No. Uh, was it the right thing to <laughs> to give Dak Prescott coming off of an injury uh, yes. You know, the biggest contract. I think so. I think so. Although I think, you know, the Cowboys did themselves a disfavor. They could have uh, they they could have paid him a lot less money. I think if oh. uh, they would have just given him the darn deal uh, ahead of the season and given him what Can't he wanted, they, they would have they would have walked away with so much more money. But there are so many uh, questions, not just about the assets that they have, but about the decisions they've made and how that's going to affect the franchise long term. I'm I'm getting like more excited about this as we continue talking. There's so much with the Dallas Cowboys. I just want to know, like, how infrequent do your championships have to be where you could still be called America's team? Like, the Cowboys haven't made an NFC championship game since 1995. Yet they're somehow still America's team. Like, yeah, it's not it's not a rotating nickname. Like, is every badass defense the Steel Curtain? 
right? Like, is, is you know, is every, you know, great, you know, Minnesota defensive line, the purple people eaters, right? Like, is any great player, you know, a great quartet, uh, the fierce and foursome? No, like, it's a nickname, you know, like, does like, is, if anybody else gives us a cool, you know, piece of data, do we call them stats? No, because it's your name. That's the way that nicknames work, Rob. I mean, so geez, you know, get with the times. Um, I am very excited. Also thinking more about this, the Cowboys, in case uh, you forgot stats, I know that states, uh, that sta- states, uh, Kate didn't, uh, uh, the Cowboys are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game this year. So we'll get to see some Canton, Ohio shots. And, like, I have to also imagine that that's part of the reason here, too, is to be able to, like, focus on the – this is a big Hall of Fame year for the NFL. Obviously, not getting to do the ceremony last year. And people forget last year's class, not only was its normal class, but they had the centennial class. So there's a billion people going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. So I do feel like this is, like – one stone, six birds, so to speak. Six, also the number of Super Bowls the Cowboys will have after the season, by the way. Those poor birds. <laughs> They're all eagles. <laughs> As we close out, RJ, the teams historically that have done hard knocks have not had a ton of success in that same season. You just claimed the Cowboys were going to win their sixth Super Bowl title. I'm not so sure about that. Not that hard knocks causes teams to fail, but I will point out the correlation between hard knocks and success hasn't exactly been there in the show's history. Well, the best example is probably what the 20, 2010, 2010 New York Jets, right? Like that's probably the best example. I mean, they made to the AFC championship game. How'd they do in that game? I mean, they lost. Shout out to Kate Steelers. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, you know, still they made it. I mean, you yeah, know, that's, that's something. Yeah. Hey, Stats, I know you're upset because the 49ers are never interesting enough to be featured on Hard Knocks. It's okay. It's all good. I don't want my team featured on Hard Knocks. Mm, There's some stuff I don't want to know. Like, sometimes you see enough to know you've seen too much. Like, I don't just go play. That's what I want. I have a question for both of you, though, that I was thinking about. Um, So typically, the final episode of Hard Knocks, where we see the, the cut downs and everything like that, is the Tuesday of week one, right? So 48 hours before the NFL season opener, which incidentally this year the Dallas Cowboys are playing in. Um, given that we have the bye week between the preseason and the regular season, do we think the final episode of Hard Knocks will be in that bye week or will they do an extra episode of Hard Knocks that will air uh, all the way into week one of the regular season? Obviously, that one would have to be something that isn't necessarily roster cutdowns because those would have happened the week before. Uh, but I'm curious, like, what, what do you, you know, what do y'all think? I would love an extra episode, but you know what? Maybe that's part of the, the magnificence of hard knocks is that I feel like they always leaving, leave you wanting just a little bit more. I think they should probably, uh, hang up the cleats a week early and, and leave us that week because you know what it is. It's part of that. Like, I love the fact that, uh, though I always want more hard knocks at the end of it. I love that feeling that they leave me wanting more because it's what makes me come back next season. I don't know that 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 one week ahead with a bye week, quote unquote, I I don't know that it's going to be interesting enough if they're already cutting the rosters. Like that's what people want to see. Everybody wants to see did X player that I fell in love with on the show make the roster. That's that's what every final final episode of Hard Knocks is about. If it's already uh, if we're already there and have already solved that plot line, you know what? End it early. Leave me my desire to keep watching more, and then I'll come back next year. I am not among the people 
that have a problem with them showing guys getting cut on the show. There's a lot of people that like freak out about that. They think it's some grave injustice. Like you're an NFL football player. Your whole career is public. The worst day you could ever have at work is always shown on television. If a guy throws five picks, we get to watch it, right? We saw Nathan Peterman do that. Your job, your life, that is public. So the idea that you just... Right. Yes. (laughs) But like the idea that you, that they shouldn't show that, that somehow they're doing a a disservice to these guys by showing them get cut. Like, I don't think, I don't agree with that at all. Guys get cut all the time in the NFL. There's no great shame behind it. You know, there's how many stories have there been of guys that have been cut a zillion times and then they, you know, catch on with the team and they play fine. Like, I don't think it's, it's doing anything wrong by any of the players to show them getting cut and show their reaction and the emotion. Isn't that why we watch? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody said they had a problem with it, with them being cut. That's what I'm saying. I'm just curious if we'll get that extra episode after the cuts. Cause the cuts is a really, you know, it's an unfortunate and a tragic episode, but it's a really fascinating one. Like to watch, you know, the human spirit obviously be put in a position where it has to face some adversity and hopefully triumph again. Uh, it's awesome. And may- maybe, uh, cause sometimes, you know, when they cut a player, they'll be like, Oh, the 49ers cut Rob Guerrero, but you know, they'll put like a little caption that's like, or they'll put you like, they'll show you on the phone. They'll be like the new Orleans saints called him and signed him to the practice squad. And so, like, maybe the the extra episode of Forget It is, like, that stuff. Or it's, like, the guys, like, getting ready, like, sh- doing their photo shoots and promos and stuff for the regular season. Who knows? The, the possibilities are endless. You're playing for the Saints now, by the way, Stats, just so that we're clear. <laughs> I would never play for the New Orleans. Nope. I would retire. No chance. You, re- you report to Sean Payton, and you, um, you have to serve as the scout team's version of Taysom Hill. It's your dream. Yeah. That, no, I will easily, <laughs> happily retire. <laughs> Either that or I would try to actively sabotage the New Orleans Saints because as anyone that listens to this show knows, I hate them and I make no apologies for it. That's going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. We remind you once again, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. If you ask us a question in your review, I promise you we will read it on the show. Kate, thank you very much for joining us for the third straight week. How are you putting up with us? Stamina. Nothing but stamina, endurance, <laughs> and a lot of caffeine. Uh, impatience, mm. guys. Patience. Because as we said last week, I'm essentially dealing with Corey Matthews and uh, what Ryder Strong. Oh, my gosh. Sean. Sean, Sean Hunter. and Corey. Sean Hunter uh, I'm and I'm surprised Corey you Matthews. Like, knew the actor's name like that easily off the top of your why head. Why did that like... go? Like, why in the world did it go immediately to Ryder Strong? Um, mm. Not sure. Shout out, Ryder. I hope you're having a great day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I a lot of patience, coffee, and love for the two of you. Fantastic. Wow. So you've kind of like self-anointed yourself as Topanga. Let's be like, that's <sighs> what you've done, Kate. Like, you've, all, you've, bas- you've been like, I'm dream. in the middle of Corey and Sean. Like, you've just, you know, you've established yourself as Topanga Lawrence. So Every I mean, girl's dream from the time that she's like old enough to watch that show is to be Topanga. So I'm honored and self-anointed. What happened to Topanga's sister? That's all I wanted to know. She had a sister at one point and then she disappeared and she was never heard from again. What happened to the couch in the women's bathroom? That was all, that was like a great episode where you like understood that that was, that was the first time I ever stood that understood that principle that like they're different worlds. And you know, we just, you know, some people don't get to go there and that's okay. 
There should be a couch in every bathroom. That's just my that personal sound, Also, that sounds disgusting. Like, think about a couch sitting. Think about how many things are airborne in a bathroom. And you want like <laughs> okay. you want fabric in there that you want to All sit right. on. To be fair, this that was definitely ahead of the time that we were aware of just how much bacteria was floating around in the bathroom. So mm. give them some credit there. They did not know this was back in the 90s. Um, I'm sure they would have probably removed the couch from the bathroom by now. But that has been a pervasive theme of television is pointing right. out the inconsistencies between the men's and women's restrooms. But uh, I mean, y'all have enough. We, we still have a, a glass ceiling we're working with. I think you guys can handle a couchless bathroom. I'm just saying. Stats, uh, I have one last thing for you. Do you have a square to spare? Boom. I have watched Seinfeld. Get out of town. All right. Enjoy your week, everybody. (laughs) Happy 4th of July. We'll talk to you next week. I hope.